welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. And together, we're going to have a conversation about whether or not some things are biblical. We're going to play a game of hot, not or sanctified, and that is where we, well, we decide if things are positive theological inspirations or not. Now, we haven't seen this list. It's when Anthony put together. Uh, well, he found. He found the list. And again, if we say something's hot, it means we like it. If we say not, it means we don't like it. And if we say sanctified, which we can only say once per game, that means only God can decide. So, Anthony... What do we have? Yes, for the record, I did nothing. <laughs> I was not a part of this list, the production list, list whatsoever. And I would not advocate for reading it unless you wanted to make fun of it or to uh, correct it. Now, see, it's not a pure so. hot take. Now, that being said, if you want to ha- us to have better lists, send us your propositions. Send us things that we will play hot, not a sanctified with. We would really like that, actually. So if you're out there listening and you say, they have terrible things, well, send us. Send us your thoughts, questions, and comments. Um, send us your propositions, and we will play Hot Not or Sanctified with them. Anthony, let's get into this. I will say, we do make the terrible things useful, I hope. So <laughs> That is the goal. Here is um, the title of the list. Five deeply held religious beliefs that are not biblical. And the website, this is from our old friends at beliefnet.com. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they have both the net and the com. And so the first item on the list is... Cleanliness is next to godliness. Oh, so this is an interesting one. Um, all right, so when we look at the specific statement, uh, cleanliness is next to godliness, does anyone know where this comes from? Not originally, no. Any any takers? Um, Anthony, have you, let me let me ask this before we, we give away anything. Anthony, do you have you heard this being said in the, the life of the church? I don't believe I've ever heard it at church or from someone that I only knew by church, but I have heard people in school saying it and things like that. All right, so I have heard this throughout my life, and I'm pretty sure it comes from John Wesley's mom. Not 100% sure. It's actually not something which, when you look at it, that you'll find like a, a clean-cut um, version of this throughout Christian tradition, but I'm pretty sure that it comes from John Wesley's mom. That being said, I actually do think it is something – that while you may not find it specifically in the Bible, I think the logic of it is there. When you look throughout the Old Testament, there is this call to be clean. And when you even look into the New Testament, this idea that you'll be perfected by Christ, there is this idea that you will be sanctified, you will be perfected, and as you do the things which God calls you to do, you will become excellent in all areas of life. So, of course, naturally, one of those things is being clean. So I can see why they would say it's not um, because of just the fact of it's something which I'm, I'm almost 100% sure this comes from John Wesley's mom. But same thing, I'm going to say not. I don't think that's theologically inspiring to tell people that because I do think that's a good thing for people in the church to, to hear. Yeah, I, I think it's weird. Um, a lot of times when you hear cleanliness is next to godliness, it, it, it's predominantly said by somebody kind of in a position of authority to someone that they're responsible for to get them to go clean something. It's generally, it's usually apparent to a child. That is true. Um, and, and so I think, I don't know, this is not one of those things that I think the church uses to manipulate. Like, no one's proclaiming it to be biblical, so I'm not sure why we're saying it's not biblical, other than it's just something that's been said a lot, and it does say godly in it. So I guess that's something about it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of kind of a, a mute point because, listen, if you do something that's, you know, if you work hard in, in like, construction or, or – 
lawn care and you get dirty, obviously no one's proclaiming that somehow you're less than godly. Um, but it is something that says, like, if you structure your life a certain way, um, if you believe in an orderly God that, that moves towards transformation, you're not going to live a chaotic lifestyle. Is, is kind of the, the general gist of it. So, yeah, I, I think it also this is kind of like low-hanging fruit to pick on. So It is low-hanging fruit. <laughs> so I said not to it a minute. Yeah, results. I think, yeah, same general thought. All right. What's the next, the next one? one? God won't give you more than you can handle. Ah, yes. Um, did Mother Teresa say that? <laughs> I think Mother Teresa is the one who said that. Um, probably somebody's out there listening to this saying, no, they're getting all these quotes wrong. Um, and in that case, send us, send us your, your comments. We, w- we will accept your, your angry pitchforks. Uh, there is an element of truth to God gives grace and mercy in, in a way that is very specific to people's context. We actually, we just got done having a conversation about uh, 1 Corinthians where there's a specific outlining. Paul goes and tells us there are these many different positions in the church, and then he goes on to say, but we're all one body, and the, the eye doesn't get to be mad at the hand or something like that. We're all one body. But God does consider people's context. Um, and the flip side of that, evil considers people's context. Um, so while this again, I'm going to say not to this as well. Amanda? Well, I think there, there's kind of, I think they're hitting on some things that are important to um, evaluate in the sense of, I think a lot of people, they pull out of either somewhere, uh, one of Paul's epistles, he talks about, um, you will not be tempted beyond what you can bear. And he's talking about tempted for sin. He's not talking about living a comfortable lifestyle. And I think sometimes people confuse that. Also, a lot of people like to pick out Jeremiah uh, 29, 11, where it talks about uh, God having plans for you, not to harm you, but to give you hope. And, and they like to pull that out when people are having bad times. They're like, oh, it's all going to be okay. They're like, okay. Jeremiah is proclaiming that message to a group of people who were just conquered by an empire, taken out of exile, and have just been told, you will probably die in exile. Actually, you will definitely die in exile. It will be your children, or maybe even your grandchildren, that will finally find freedom and and return back to the promised land. So by no means do either of those passages speak to the fact that being called to live a part of the kingdom of God is is an easy, comfortable life. And I think that's maybe what this this passage— point is trying to combat that like because a lot of people say oh god can't give you any more than you bear it's like you're not really having a hard time it's okay it's like no like have a hard time people have difficult lives um and so i think yes we do need to respond to people's suffering and difficulties with a little bit more theological depth than maybe the general uh pop christianity would um, but at the same time, I think we need to be careful of how we respond to that pop Christianity because I think sometimes we get on our high horse and we're like, well, the Bible doesn't actually say that. And you're like, well, how was that helpful to this conversation? Like, you have to lead people, not just bash them over the head. But anyways. Let, let's go back to – so the statement is God will not give you more than you can handle. Yep. So That's the statement of something that is, is a, not biblical. That is in Christianity that is not biblical. I think so it's the premise. So they're trying to say that that's a bad statement. Yes. They're okay. Trying, so, yes, I'm going to stick with my original answer of not, but I'm going to change why. Because after hearing Amanda say, I think a lot of people in the church, they've been taught that by the standards of this world and even by the standards of this life, once you come to know Jesus, the problems will go away. I think that's a very bad expectations because sometimes you do get more than you think that you can handle. Sometimes the problems of this world do not go away. Yeah. Sometimes it means going to the amphitheater and being put in the hot seat. Sometimes you lose people that you love. Sometimes things do 
turned very, very bad by the standards of this world. But this is where the kingdom of God gives us assurance. This is why in the, the Church of the Nazarene, we like to talk about the doctrine of assurance because we have assurance. It's not something which it's questioned, you know, like when you, you die, maybe God will feel good that day and, and save you. No, you have assurance that if you lived your life in accordance with the call of Jesus Christ, you accepted that and you lived a life of confession, things may go completely wrong in this life. But God loves you and has a new home for you. And so I think as far as this list goes of picking out things that I think a lot of pop Christianity and kind of the, the general shallow Christian phenomenon would proclaim that message. And so I think this list is right in calling that out. Um, but I do say a word of caution in how we call that out because I think at times it needs to be called out. And sometimes it needs to be called out forcefully. But I think also we have to journey with people because they've been steeped in such a shallow version of Christianity by simply saying it's not biblical really is not going to do us any favors. Yeah. yeah. Anthony, what do we got next? Well, um, before we do move on, I kind of wanted to um, say something about this. And it's just that whenever I'm looking at this and we're considering what God wants us to do to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor. And so, you know, also considering God wants us to be holy for he is holy. This really seems to be answering the wrong question because it's it's answering what you can handle. But what God asks us to do isn't necessarily about what we can do. It's about, you know, what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. And so this idea and most of the time people say this in regard. They do say it to those who are suffering and things like that. But, you know, the alleviation from our suffering that we have in God isn't about us. It's about God. So that's why I would say not, not really for um, any other reason just than that. It's really focused on the wrong question, it seems to me. Yeah. But I, I, think, I think you're right. Uh, are you guys ready to move on? Yeah. Or did yeah. You like to? All right, cool. So the next one we have is we are saved by faith alone. Wait, they're saying this is a false doctrine? They oh, are sweet saying that this, Lord I can't. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. What? This is This is awesome. All right, so we are saved. Okay, so what is, I got to get my prepositions right, right, but we are saved uh, by grace through faith in Christ alone, correct? Is that the right prepositions in the right order? Well, it is the – here's where things get interesting. We're saved by the faith of Jesus Christ and his faithfulness to do what God the Father has asked of him. And just jumping into this, I'm going to open this up. I think a lot of people – We'll take to this question, this is why we need deep theological critical thinking. God has initiated salvation to us. It is the faith of Jesus Christ which will ultimately save us. However, God has initiated it, but we must respond to it. So I'm just going to say not to this. And I'll yeah, it's, a bad, it's, a bad, it's a bad <laughs> statement. It's almost clickbaity yeah, because click you hear baby. this site and you're like, ooh, they're probably American Protestants. And then by saying that we are saved through faith. Uh, what, is, what is the exact wording of their statement? We are saved. Uh, what they are contradicting is we are saved by faith alone. And right. If you guys would like to, here's one of their justifications. And it's from, I think, James 2.24. And so they're quoting the verse. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And so that's the perspective that they're coming at this oh. from. Although the statement by itself, yeah, the statement's out clickbait. of context, it is absolutely ridiculous. Um, like, it's but, terrible and I, wording. And I think this is why we have the passages 
in our canon or our scripture, our Bible that we do. Because you do, you have Paul that is like beating the drum of you are saved by grace, you are saved by faith and not by works so that no man can boast. And then James comes in and says, and actually uh, Martin Luther hated the book of James um, and he didn't want it in his new canon, but thanks be to God, he didn't get his way. Um, <laughs> well, we could say that about a lot of things. Anyways, continuing. Um, and James says, well, wait, hold on. Before you think all you can do is lay back and say, well, I've got grace and faith. I'm good. You have to live a life of holiness. But the, the thing is, Either way, like Pastor Dylan preference, we are saved not by our own faith, even though we are called to respond. We are saved by the faithfulness of Christ. And if we start with the faithfulness of Christ, then our response is going to include the fact that Christ alone can save us. Our response is, is in our faith, or in faith that we trust in Christ. And then our lives are going to respond to that and live a life of righteousness. So those things are going to flow out of a good theological doctrine Versus, so I think, yeah, this is just a dumb statement. It's, it's, it's utterly ridiculous. I don't think any Christian, anyone who truly trusts in God, is going to somehow, when they say that we are saved by faith alone, that somehow they mean, therefore, they don't have to do good works. I, I think that's a very shallow understanding of Christianity and, and a shallow, and really, really a skewed view of who Christians are. Um, because I think, listen, even the most fundamentalist um, five-point tulip Calvinist that believes in predestination still believes in evangelism. You know, So if they believe in that, that they still have to be a part, an active part of the kingdom of God. I don't think anyone's sitting back on their tail going, it's just through faith. I, actually, I'm pretty impressed with something. Just total sidebar here. Um, I think pretty much everyone in the audience probably agrees with what we've said, but Amanda somehow amazingly said the word five-point tulip in such a way that it sounded like an expletive. <laughs> like, if you didn't understand English at all, you would have listened to that and be like, that lady just said something that was an, a swear word. Um, I like that. We, Christians are always trying to find some, some new exclamatory in life, and I think, like, five-point tulip. I guess what I'm going to call my the, the blue healer count when he's like gets mischievous at home. I'm like, you five-point Tulip dog, like, <laughs> how dare you take my shoes outside again? Next so time I jam time my thumb, next time I jam my thumb, screaming five point Calvinist. <laughs> Calvin, it fits. I like it. You can kind of say it in a real guttural way. Anyways, I've done lost the track of this question. I was just so impressed with but it. I think the general sentences is not on that statement. Let's move oh, on yeah, to let, the next one. Let's move to the next one. Yeah, it it was bad. I, when I saw that one up next, I was like, man, this is about to be too good all right so the next one resetting the next one bad things happen to good people and that's it okay that's again the, that. it goes along the lines of the the earlier one obviously to this statement wait was it bad things happen to good people and they're saying that's not biblical well but it is it is biblical. Do they not? There's a whole book called Job. The oldest written document we have is about bad things happening to a good and righteous person who God explicitly says, this man is upright. He fears me. He he is righteous. So, yeah, not. I don't even think. I, just, I, don't even, yeah, I don't even know. I'm so confused. Uh, well, I think that on the, um, the way that it's normally used, bad things happen to good people. A lot of times people will say that because they're good. Bad things are happening, and oh. that's how they're using it. That's well, how I've heard it used before. Well, and I think, okay, again, going back to what we talked about earlier, listen, when God calls us to uncomfortable places, God is not calling us to uncomfortable places just to make us uncomfortable. Yeah. God, you know, our lives aren't hard because we're Christians just because 
you know, there's some arbitrary force that's like, ah, oh, you made the choice, therefore I'm going to make it, things difficult to you. It's, 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 you know, for every action there's an equal and yet opposite reaction. When you are called to live a life that's contradictory to the world, when you are called to seek others first and not yourself, to, to seek the holiness of God and not your own self-gain, you're going to face difficult opportunities and times. That's, that's a and, and there are people, they're not arbitrary, but there are specific pointed things. Like even in the book of Job, the accuser comes to accuse Job because he wants to prove that righteousness is not real. It's not a, like a random right. thing where there's some random no reason or logic to it. The Satan character does have his own logic. He does have his own yin game. And a lot of times we do see evil want to, to come back at that. And again, it's not something which just occurs out of nowhere. There is a, a point direction to it. Yeah, Anyways, and, and I so. think in a, to, to that point also, uh, I think people also pick out verses where it talks about you're being refined as gold and fire. And so, you know, the testing of your faith. And we think that God's just up there being like, hmm, you know, Anthony hasn't been tested in a while. I'm going to like... Make one of his tires explode. Like, that's not how this works. God's not a masochist. Um, it just, our life is chaotic. Our world is chaotic. We live the in a broken world. world. Yeah. It happens. Um, and God calls us, though, to be a people of life, even in the midst of chaos. But I've, anyways. Uh, maybe this is me just remembering back when all of us had um, Anthony's school schedule was able to allow us to do some more skit stuff. Hopefully we'll get back to that. I, mean, I've, I was imagining, like, the, the mad scientist God, like, today we will put together this monster to test this person. Amanda's provided me with that image as well. <laughs> Anyways, moving along to our, I guess we're on the last statement now, aren't we? We are on the last statement. Right. And just to throw back to like a minute ago or so at this point, but, you know, thanks Amanda for throwing that on me. Now I'm going to have a flat tire at some point. And I'm going to be <laughs> like, Amanda, Jeez. now I'm getting tested. Again, but not how again. the world works. <laughs> but proceed. <laughs> All right, so uh, this next one, and I'm going to read one sentence after okay. just so that it's clear what type of wording it's meant. But um, God wants me to be happy. And then in the explanation, part of it is, you know, some people will even go as far as thinking their sinful actions are justifiable because God would want them to be happy and have fun. Well, and so that's sort of an explanation of what they mean by happy. Right, and so they're saying that then the phrase God wants me to happy is not biblical. This is what the list is, is, is saying. And I think... Obviously, God does not want us to do things that are sinful just for our happiness. I'm going to go with duh. Um, I don't think you needed to create a website or a list to tell us that. Um, anybody with half a brain knows that. But anyways, um, I mean, even the people who would say something like that know what they're saying is wrong. They're just trying to say it to justify themselves. Yeah, so I will True. actually say this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do a weird one here. I'm actually going to say that statement is hot, but I'm going to say it's redundant for having to say it because it was something which was unnecessary to say. Yeah. So... Um, that, that's all I have on that. Do you, do you yeah, and I, and I think, again, it goes back to what we've been saying in the other few lists, when it, or the other items in the list where it talks about being tempted or punished or having difficult times. Again, your happiness and or sadness, God is not sitting up in heaven in a control room trying to figure out, like, what you want or don't want and what he wants to manipulate. It, God is definitely deeply involved in the life of, of God's people, but also there's this really cool thing called free will. Um, and it happens to where people can choose and it impacts other people. And so sometimes you're happy and sometimes you're not. I think God wants us to be joyous. God wants us to be righteous. Uh, but our happiness and sadness come and go outside of And And here's the that. thing. God wants us to have meaning and fulfillment. Yes. And a lot of times people want to conflate that with happiness. And it's not necessarily. 
Now, people generally are satisfied when they have meaning and when they have fulfillment, but that doesn't mean that they're necessarily happy. They may have a huge amount of stress on their life. Um, so much stress. So much stress. Anthony. Uh, to play off what you were saying, um, there are sort of two types of happy that we mean a lot of times whenever we do use the word. Most of the time, it's just you know a fleeting uh, or passing passionate, you know, um, emotional type happiness. But then there's also the more philosophical side. And, uh, you know, a lot of times in some ancient text, the word will be eudaimonia. And then that gets translated into our language to be happy. But really it means something more along the lines of actualization, of fulfilling your purpose. And as you were saying, to find meaning and stuff like that, yeah. which is a lot different than the connotation has, especially today in English, to be happy. And so, like, whenever you're thinking about being happy and you're, like, at a party or something like that, that's definitely not the type of happiness. That's, like, you know, the passive happiness. What, what is Anthony doing going to parties? I know. Literally. I was about to say, like, I, I thought that, like, <laughs> like, we're, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry that such content would be spared over here. We will make sure that he does not go to any more parties. And I know. We, I thought we, about that, and then I was like, "We're just gonna see him up in a wall and call it a day." Um, when I had that in my head, I was thinking of like, you know, just like little get-togethers and cake and stuff like that. I honestly, mm-hmm. Didn't even, mm-hmm. yeah. but anyways, I don't know what's going on, but we will get to the bottom of it after <laughs> this. Anyways, Amanda, the list as a whole is it hot, not or sanctified? I think the the premise or the idea behind it of looking at some things that are in our pop culture and are in our pop Christianity that need to be better evaluated. I think that's hot. I just think the way this list did it was weirdly, and there was a couple of them that I think I would disagree with how they phrased it. So um, we're going to go with, can I segment it out? Say premise was hot, but the actualization of it was not. I'll let, you, I'll let that All slide. Right. I'm going to say not to the whole thing because I feel like this was a gotcha list. I feel like it was one where they're like, you thought that was biblical? Gotcha. They didn't actually have any positive end goal in there of, other than just getting people and be like, you said cleanliness is next to godliness. Gotcha. Grandma, you can't tell that to the kids next time they eat that cookie messy. <laughs> like, I feel like that's what the whole purpose of this is. Somebody is paid. They, they have to write so many words and fit some, yeah. so much space. And they're like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get this them. The, is this the Christian version of BuzzFeed? Yes. Uh. Yeah, I feel like something like that. Anyways, thank you for watching us. Again, we're just here. We're having fun. We're having a good time. Send us your propositions. We would much rather play hot and other sanctified and poke fun at those. Um, hopefully they would be hot and we could have a good conversation. Um, but send us to us. Even if you think it's wild and crazy, we, we will accept your pitchforks and crazy things. If you'd like to donate to the program, you can do that at uh, patreon.com slash kingdomofthelogons. With that, God love you and have a blessed day.